0: experience the unconventional Evening, boss. the unpredictable and the completely unorthodox exactly. with rule free Ian Lee the late night alternative with Ian Lee I've got no internet
2: for the last four days
0: on talk radio
1: This is very exciting. I've come to Manchester on a cold, wet Sunday. I'm in Manchester for about two hours. Um, I'm going to the library to see an exhibition of Frank Sybottom.
2: This is a security announcement. Chris CV stuff.
1: I'm meeting up with uh, Steve Sullivan, the director of the and Frank film. And Dave Arnold, who's one of Chris's, Frank's, good friends. Now, where might they be? Where might they be? There we go, look. It's Dave, hello, mate. I've started I already. Be, I know, you tried, I thought you'd be I'm like a, incognito. you were incognito. I'm want a, a
3: professional. To... <laughs> we go look at this yeah. hello Steve how you, you doing going. you're right we're, we're recording are we we're in thanks for coming to Manchester <laughs> thanks for inviting me this is shall very we... exciting shall we get a, a taxi motor vehicle to the venue I don't know I don't know, I like don't know the... where it is
2: well, I don't you know right. Manchester very well uh, let's get a taxi right let's do it are you recording this in real time Well, sure. yeah
1: Well, we've had a short cab ride. Sorry, I'm just recording some oh. stuff for the radio, Larissa. I hope you don't mind. Not at all. no, no, no. Um, do you want to just tell us what, who, what your job title is? You're very important. <laughs> go on.
0: So I am I'm the Service Delivery Specialist, Archives and Heritage, which basically means that I'm the Senior Archivist. There you go. There you go. That's not a
1: bad gig, is it? Yeah. And you very kindly opened up the exhibition for us on a Sunday?
0: I have, yeah. I know, it's all very exciting, isn't
1: it? It's like um, Michael Jackson at Harrods. Probably can't say Michael Jackson anymore, sorry. Controversial, controversial. Delete, delete.
0: <laughs> <laughs> delete.
1: We are now in the library. That's
0: right, this is Shakespeare Hall, and we're walking through to the main House. Yeah. This
1: is a great building. Awesome, lead the way lead the way guys this is You're about to enter. <laughs> bobbins the fantastic archive of frank sidebottom and chris CV from the 1st of march that's a friday until the 30th of april that's one of them tuesdays absolutely free boss thank you look at that and there's a huge look at that picture stunning picture of well it's it's not technically a bmx is it it's a
2: no it is, it's a BMX. Is
1: it actually a BMX? Okay. It's kind of a, a cup
2: price um catalogue BMX. This is what I was
1: thinking, it's yeah. a cup price. Says Frank popping a wheelie. Oh bless him. Let's have a look. Oh look at this man. Look at this. <sniffs> This is, quite, uh, this is quite emotional, isn't it? Yeah. This is quite
3: emotional. As you can see, it's a, it all ended up in a beautiful space that looks like the Starship Enterprise. <laughs> it
1: does.
2: It really does.
3: Um, all right, look, the
1: first things first. Frank's World model. Oh, his fingers have snapped off, look. Yeah.
2: Maybe that's not first things first. <laughs> Should we go to first things first? Let's go to first things first. OK. Go on, Dave.
1: Oh... There's not a side... E- no First Things First. That's not... No, OK.
2: So this is First Things First.
1: Bobbins. Welcome to Bobbins. A celebration of the man with the papier-mâché head. I always thought it was a real head. That's disappointing. Mm-hmm. Frank Sybottom and the life and art of his secretive creator, Chris Seavy, All done in fantastic, beautiful, frank font what's where wherever you see the bobbin signs there's fantastic stuff to see wherever you see the not bobbin signs there's nothing to see wherever you see an eye keep your eyes open for hidden stuff you can watch rare videos of frank and chris in the ipod you can listen to rare radio of frank in the earpod. you can even have frank's eye bottom on your coffee in the cafe fantastic let's have a look look at this Oh, this is beautiful. Go on, talk so, us
3: through this. So the exhibition, the exhibition starts here oh. with um, a display of Chris Seavey as a child. And as you can see, his creativity was pouring out of him from day one. The, what's this? The Private Life of Jerome Custard. These are little miniature books <laughs> that he used to make for his own amusement. We've got, we've got The Private Life of Jerome Custard. We've got Making Your Own Wet Jelly by Colin Cathedral. How to Be a Party Sensation by Harry Hedgehog. How old is he when he's... I mean, look at his beautiful little boy. How old is he when he was doing all this? Ten years old, I would imagine. Yeah, Early eight,
1: teenage eight, years. eight to 11 years old, I would have Eight, nine, ten-year-old kids, they write stories and they, you know, sometimes they'll make a little comic and stuff. But this is... These are proper little yeah, fully, books. F- fully formed. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. And we've, we've even got one open so you can see they're not just covers. He actually wrote these little books. This is treasure. Where did you get all of this stuff from? Well, every, I, I kind of became like the temporary custodian of all Chris's stuff after I wrote to Martin, Chris's brother, yeah. about two years after Chris's death, and said, "Look, has anyone ever thought about making a documentary about Chris? Not Frank specifically, but who was the guy inside the head?" Oh, so I've just seen this rather disturbing image of Chris with his painted nipples. Sorry, that's well, that's a this that image right there. <laughs> that's, that's, that's who was inside the head. <laughs> that's um, yeah, the kind of, the image that we're looking at is of a, of a, a teenage youth who was painted. ..painted himself red and black with house paint.
1: <laughs> God, sorry, you were talking about Martin TV, his brother.
3: Just at, just at Martin he emailed me straight back and said, look... It's a great idea. I've, I've got a hundred boxes of Chris's archive. It's all been emptied from his house. I've got nowhere to put it. If you can come and haul it away, and try and make anything creative out of it, you'd be welcome to try.
1: We should say, I and mean, I'll have said this before, but so you're Steve Sullivan. You're the director of being Frank, the Chris Seavey story. Is that the full correct title?
3: That's as long as we could possibly make it and still fit it on a poster. Why did you? Why did you want to do it? Because I, because I was always a fan as a kid of Frank Sidebottom and I was always baffled by Frank Sidebottom and intrigued by Frank Sidebottom and I just wanted to know who was the guy inside the head and why was he doing it? And, and after, he, after Chris sadly died... It still wasn't any more possible to really have an answer to mm-hmm. that question. And bear in mind, I'd worked with him as well. I'd made The Magical Temply Tour documentary with him. And, and the five minutes that I spent with Chris that day were just totally baffling. And they just left me with more, even more questions than, than from meeting him. Yeah. Um, so so I, still needed, I still felt the world needed to know as well who was he and why was he doing it. And he needed the credit finally as the creative yeah. genius behind Frank, not Frank always having just the credit.
2: No. We should, Dave, introduce yourself as well Dave Arnold, how do you know Chris? Uh, I know Chris from being just like a wide-eyed fanboy uh, discovering Frank in the very early days, 87 maybe seeing him in the NME. Um and living locally, so being able to <coughs> you know, see him on the TV yeah. um, go to concerts regularly I, I, once you're hooked, you're hooked. You know, he would do a, a series of gigs, like Monday to Thursday, temporary Lectures, and I'd go every, <laughs> every night, religiously. Um, it's hard to join the darts, but eventually I ended up uh, becoming friends with him and um, taking on some responsibilities for getting him to... You were his roadie? That's, yeah. Drive uh, roadie that must have been...
1: Dog's, um, dog's body. I mean that must have been hard work I mean fun
2: but was was he manageable um f- for the most part yes yeah. um but you know could be um really frustrating to be around yeah. in fact could be dangerous to be around in in some ways? just a just a reckless just a reckless guy with no um not worried about any consequences of anything right. he would just go and do whatever without even really but none of it done with malice no that's the thing that's
1: the thing i got from from frank and then when i I mean i know i knew chris a little bit not as well as you guys but from frank it's just it's 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 the joy there's no there's nothing the only the only meanness and vitriol is directed at a cardboard puppet little frank that's it what's
2: going on there (laughs) you know it's uh yeah
1: I mean, there's something Freudian going on, isn't it? Chris, There's theres you would need two Freuds to work that out, I think. <laughs> Let's have a look at what we've got here. The Freshies, of course, were the, the, the greatest pop band that never really were. Uh, we've got some singles. Like, again, this is, you know, the, 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 Chris was ahead of the curve in terms of the whole indie thing, of making his own records, making his own cassettes, making his own videos, before anyone was really doing that, wasn't he?
3: Yeah, he just um, was a total one-man DIY cottage industry, and he comes out of that punk scene, which was all about DIY culture, making something yourself and putting it out to just your fans and making your own statement that, that doesn't fit with the mainstream. But he even stands in opposition to all of that because he just he just lived his life like that as a philosophy. There's no sellout with Chris Seavey and Frank Sidebottom, um, partly because not many people were trying to buy it, I think, at the time as well. But you um, know, I know his brother says in the in the film that um, his cassettes weren't a limited edition, they were a limited edition right. if somebody ever wanted one he he'd, he'd just knock off a cassette yeah. and post it to them but he would post it to you, you got the handwritten letter, you know, um, he just the level of detail and care and personalisation and direct communication he had with his fans uh, it goes beyond what any pop star would yeah. ever consider, anyone would consider it beneath them and to Chris it was the point, you know, he was to have that communication it. I
1: was saying he gave me a refund for a, uh, a single that he'd
3: run out of stock and
1: he wrote me a cheque, but he wrote it as Frank, knowing that I was never going to cash a cheque that's written and signed by Frank Sidebottom. Of course, it's it got stuck up against my wall. Uh, the Freshies, of course, um, you know, the brilliant pop, but never
3: quite made it. They came close to it, and with that. Well, they, yeah, I mean, what we're looking at now is um, a copy of the Freshie single I'm In Love With The Girl on the Manchester Virgin Megastore checkout desk. Yeah. That catchy title. Um, that was their biggest hit. It's and a it- great cover. I've never seen the cover before. She doesn't look that bothered by Chris, does she? Um, we actually did end up um, uh, meeting Helen, who was the, uh, the girl on the on the Megastore checkout wow. desk. Um, she had very fond memories of him and said he was absolutely lovely, although she did remember from that photograph his hands were sweating quite <laughs> quite a lot. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, that was the biggest hit, and it went to number 54 in the charts, you know. So that's, in terms of mainstream success, that's the pinnacle for Chris Seavey. And the, the saddest thing is, we've, we've used the... Um, that is actually the French... Version oh. of the megastore single, which is ultra rare, um, and if you see the single inside, they have misspelt Chris CV's name. Oh, no, yeah. So even in even in his like his biggest pinnacle is that moment,
2: the French spelling <laughs> <laughs> CV.
1: All right, go on. Let's have a look around. We're looking at the multi- one of the multimedia displays, and it's it's brilliant. It's, there's rare pictures of the freshies. What I'm really drawn to is these homemade flyers and posters. Of uh, well for the freshies I mean look
3: handwritten dates and stuff you say there were boxes from Martin Sevey where is all this stuff now? Well the byproduct of making the film was that we came here and met, and met with Larissa like yeah. the other year and said look my biggest concern is I've been living with all of Chris Seavey's archive for about six years now I don't want to carry on living with all Chris Seavey's archive until I die. Mm. It has to be preserved properly and it has to be looked at by proper archivists. And Larissa said, we'll take it. The city of Manchester will take it. And so all of it is now being permanently preserved in Manchester Central Library through Archives Plus, which Larissa...
1: Larissa, was there any point... I mean, was there any question of you taking it? Because there will be some people... It's funny, it's that thing, isn't it? After someone dies, everyone goes, oh, God, weren't they brilliant? But not everyone got Frank, not everyone got Chris. There'll be some people who might think, well, this is junk. Do you know what I mean? Was there any part of you that thought, this is a big undertaking for us?
0: Not really. I mean, if... with my non-professional head on, there's no way on earth, you know, with growing up and being a teenager in Greater Manchester and having Frank in the background, there is mm. no way on earth if somebody's going to offer us the Frank side Bottom Archive that we're yeah. going to say no. And professionally speaking, I think it's about, it's about what we do here and what we collect and how we document the history of, of, of the city of Manchester mm. and Greater Manchester as well. And it's about making sure that... For the 20th century, we collected everything that was important to everybody. So if you think about Victorian popular culture and how little of that has survived and how hard that is to unpick, we can't really make the mistake with that. With 20th century mm. culture, so somebody like Frank and, Chris, and just Chris, and when you see Chris and you see how creative he was, it, it would be a missed opportunity mm. not to document that, yeah. really. And, you know, we've taken we've taken Chris's archive into the Greater Manchester County Record Office so that's the the, the arm of Archives Plus that collects for the whole of... Whose the job
1: is it to go through? Ev- I'm assuming you've got to go through every single <laughs> thing, oh, have yes. you, on catalogue yeah, it? Is that well, you?
0: Well, yeah, we'll have to think about how we're going to catalogue it because it's a huge job. Yeah. But, you know, the... The Chris CV Archive sits in the Greater Manchester County wow. Record Office now, alongside Tony Warren, alongside um, Shirley Baker, the yeah. photographer, alongside um, Martin Parr. So it's all about those people that were capturing working class and honest yeah. Greater Mancunian culture, really. And for me, that's just—it's totally awesome. That's this is a career high. Oh, really? Well, <laughs> yeah. good.
1: Dave, what, what, what do you reckon Chris would make of? I know, it's
2: an almost impossible question. He'd laugh, wouldn't he? He'd be out the front smoking a fag. <laughs> <laughs> you know he would. Yeah, he really would. No, he would be... He'd be knocked out, I reckon. Yeah. It's like, you know, <clears throat> he maybe gave the gave the impression that he didn't really care about this stuff, but obviously he did. Mm. You know, he, he cared enough that uh, he kept it all in the first place. P- perhaps didn't keep it in as good a shape as he could have done. Um but he's left it all for us to um to do these sort of things with, yeah. you know. And people are gonna people are gonna learn. I mean, I think Chris as a as a person to look up to. If you look at Chris's peers and, and, and his contemporaries, they've all done quite well for themselves. But none of them have got a statue that's been built that's gonna I've seen the document. It's guaranteed for two hundred years unless there's a <laughs> nuclear <laughs> holocaust. You know, and regardless of him being Frank Sidebottom, that's almost a side issue. It's just... It's, it's about being a true artist. But this is what is interesting about the film, Steve, is that a lot of people
1: kind of my age will only know Frank from, like, number 73, the kids' TV show, maybe Oink Comic, if they go back that far, and that's it. The, the, the Think of the clown with the big paper-masher head. But what this exhibition... And we've only just started, but what this exhibition and what your film shows... Is that Chris Seavey was an artist. He was a musician. He was a performance artist. He was he was he was a he was an artist.
3: Yeah, and I don't think he even thought of himself as an artist. No. I, I, I'm not sure he thought too hard about what it was he was doing because he was too busy doing it. No. He would just get up every day, if he'd ever been to bed, which he very rarely went to bed, and, and just kept making work. And to me, that is an artist. That's a genuine artist. Um, and that's the thing that I learned most from making the film and researching his life is that I only came into it knowing about the Frank Sidebottom aspect of it. And then I suddenly found out, oh, yeah, he was a singer-songwriter. or oh, he was an illustrator. He, he was able to adapt to any medium and take it on and not just make something that's really credible but also really idiosyncratic as well. Um, and it's him putting out his worldview and reflecting back his own experience. That's what art is for, you know. And, it, and yet he did it in such an individual way. That's why we're celebrating him.
1: Come on, let's go and have a look. What else have we got? We're by the head.
3: Now, this
2: is... The, re- the, the later head, isn't it? Only not only ever one head. Was there, I thought there was a... Wasn't there not the first one? There that was f- the, the first head was, was constructed from paper mache. Right. Um, but after, after, say, 20 consecutive gigs, the nature of what he's doing with a sweating um, condensation, it started to decompose. Yes. It started to decompose. So the idea was that we'd, we'd move up a gear and he would make it from um, fibreglass. But unfortunately, to make a fibreglass one... He had to sacrifice the paper mache one to take the to take the latex right. mold oh, off. Oh, so it. that that's, gone. So that's, that's gone. gone. That's been destroyed. yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: Actually, just to be really geeky, because it was ruined. He actually did cover it in tin foil and turned it into Frank Sidebottom's robot, robotum. I and I think he used to bring it in on a tea trolley, didn't yeah. he? Yeah.
1: It, you, you were saying, Dave? It is. See, it was the, the head is here. It's in a beautiful glass uh, cabinet.
2: It is smaller than that's you, right. you kind of think. Um, people have never seen that the, the disembodied head. Because it was always atop Frank's shoulders, and when people see the head on its own, um, it's much smaller than people realise.
3: I think as well, people think it, people think it was bigger than it was yeah. because Frank was normally right in your face mm-hmm. if you were if you were meeting him, so it probably seemed a lot larger yeah. than it was. Partly because he couldn't see through the eyes. What what are the eyes made of? Is that like
1: it looks like a stocking ladies or something? Tights. It is, isn't it? Ladies' ladies' stocking at... And of course, one of my favourite bits was just when he'd just stick the tongue out through the mouth. He'd just Someone would, would annoy him in the, the audience and he'd just stick the tongue out and waggle it. Oh.
3: Or, pu- or push a twiggler in through the <laughs> yes, lips.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, 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 look, this is actual treasure. I'll take this, I'll take this. Um, so we've got some, well, we've got little Frank bodies, little Denise body,
3: um, just made of cardboard. They're all just made out of. I think he did have one particular type of uh, what someone described as a potato puff box that uh, that he liked to use. A particular type of crisp uh, that he just knew that it would be exactly the right size for little Frank. But they're all just, as he always pointed out to you, it's just a piece of cardboard. And um, he, he would make loads of these, would he, Dave? Because quite often they get trashed. I'd well, see them and they get
2: they get battered. He would make one pretty much for every concert. Uh, 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 if you never went to see Frank, his concerts were very sort of interactive. There'd be a quiz, there'd be a Sabutio tournament, there'd be some, some element where you, where you could win something and the prize would always be um, a puppet, a little puppet body. Yeah. Um, we're looking here, this is little Denise. Whose his head was,
1: was stolen, was uh,
2: mysterious hit. circumstances never found? Yeah. It was never found. We're actually considering for the two-month period that this is on is, is holding a puppet amnesty to see whether um, we can get that back
3: be an emotional day for all of us. If, if, if it did turn up, it could have a cabinet of its own. Wow, wow. If, if you're listening, so if you've got region, it, yes. if you've got it, then just, you know, Get come on. In touch, no questions asked. Yes. We've all had our fun with this, <laughs> but little Denise's head really does want to return to Manchester. What was so funny is that he just couldn't be bothered to make another little Denise's head, so he would do shows with just her body, and it was hilarious. I, I think it was largely because some, they, the person who stole it apparently did try and ransom it back, oh! and, uh, and he said, but I do the voice, so why do I need the head?
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, look at that! And the simply big shorts. So we got little Denise. Yes. this is little Frank in
3: his Shelby's outfit, which you'll notice has been crossed out as well. So Frank at some point has crossed out little Frank there.
2: <laughs> and we got the simply um, big shorts home kit, and then on the end, that's uh, that's actually a little Marky e. Smith.
1: Okay, right. Okay, um, and the banjo we've got. Which was used in the earlier shows,
2: not so much towards the end. I, I, it was it was normally keyboards. I moves on to keyboards. Yeah. yeah um, however, he would use that um, in most of his TV um, yeah. intros. I think the banjo is used. That's actually a really decomposed picture of. Is it Beryl Reed? I
3: think it was Beryl Reed. Yeah,
2: Beryl Reed. That 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 photograph.
3: So a lot of this stuff has, has developed quite a lot. Of, I think the word is patina. You know, um, but it's but that but that is part of Chris's um, uh, aesthetic as well. I yeah. think you know he liked it when things decayed. Yeah. I Remember his brother taking us round the back of, of the house where uh, he lived until the end, and he said there was a there was an old piano out in the backyard because it's Manchester. It rains a lot, mm. and he said the the piano just got more and more warped over the years, and the sound got worse and worse. And Chris absolutely loved oh, it. Wow. He loved the changing sound yeah. and the way things just decay. He thought that was brilliant. A
1: lot of people will remember Frank from the comic Oink, which I remember as being like a sort of kids' version of Viz. They kind of came out at the same time. It was slightly subversive. Kids' version is a little bit patronising, but he put so much work into his Oink. Sometimes it was a comic strip. Sometimes it was just like a portrait or something. I, I would imagine he got like 20 quid or something for it. You, you, you quite often I get the idea with Chris that the amount of work, more often
3: than not, the amount of work he put in was not reflected in the cheque that he was given at the end of the day? No, I don't think it ever was. But you couldn't have paid him enough Mm. to to ever pay him fairly for the amount of work he did. But also, from what people have said, he didn't value money. He didn't really know what it was for. He didn't care about it. If he had it, it, he'd spend more than he had as soon as he had it. What's the story about him going off to pay the gas bill? Oh, that's about his computer games that um, his wife had said, you need to pay, I think it was the telephone bill. You need to pay the phone bill. Here's the money to go and pay it. Just go and pay it. And then he came back in a couple of hours later going, look at this, I've got a computer. I'm going to write a (laughs) computer game. And she said, you've paid the phone bill, haven't you, Chris? I'm going to write a computer game. He bought a ZX81 and he did write computer games. He wrote multiple computer games and he put them out and um, they earned very little money. Uh, I don't think it ever earned enough to actually get the telephone reconnected. So we got a lovely picture
1: from Oink. And this is, I mean, this is stunning. I'd have this on my wall without a shadow of a doubt. Batman, uh, Bat Bottom and Bobbins, which is definitely not Frank and Little Frank as Batman and Robin. And then we got the stark contrast. By the way, that's lovely choir we can hear in the background, which is beautiful if you're wondering what that is. Stark contrast. There's. uh, a self-portrait of Frank, sans hair, because me as me after
3: chemotherapy. That's a bold. That's a bold thing to do, isn't it? Uh, on, on multiple levels. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. Um that to me is, is what, you know, a, a great uh, kind of um, example of why I would say he was a pure artist. Someone who could actually take the news, that, I'm sorry, sir, you've got cancer, and go home and go, right, how can I make that work for me? Mm. How, what can I do with that? How can I reflect what I'm actually thinking by bringing it into Frank's world? It's a stunning, it's a stunning picture. And you know, there's going to be a lot of people coming here over the next two months whose lives will be directly affected by cancer. I hope they would look at that and go, oh, life really is what you make of it, you know? How, Dave, do you, how was he with, with when he got the news of the
2: cancer? Just like Steve said, exactly the same. He was kind of like, brilliant, that gives me a lot of material to, uh, to, to work with, really? to, to make comedy. Yeah. Oh, well, not comedy, because Frank didn't do comedy. But no,
1: but to, to make.
2: To yeah.
3: Um, incredible. Go on, right, what else have we got? Let's... Uh... So this is, this is another thing here, right? So this is, this is a, a large screen showing you maps of Manchester through the ages, how Manchester's changed, and they're all really detailed and, uh, and elaborate. Uh, you know, 1750... We've, we've got and, the magic eye, But it's telling us there's something here. But there is an eye, and if we, and if we scroll through the centuries, to 1988, oh, for example... I remember this... There's Frank's map of Timperley.
1: Frank's Timperley bike race game. I remember this. Jeez, look at this. That's just stunning. Look. No, this music's great. The music kind of elevates this to something spiritual. I mean, it's spiritual, yeah. Um, this is stunning. Look at this, the Nat West Bank. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful... Listen, if you don't know Frank's art, then I'm going to see my Twitter because I'm going to tweet a few bits and pieces, OK, so you can get an idea of it. But it's very stylized. It's very unique. It's very obviously uh, Chris and Frank.
2: It's instantly recognisable. Yeah, exactly.
1: Emerson Lakes, lard, the vital lard supply. He's having a lard sale as well. Oh, it's beautiful. Look I mean, at that.
2: Right down to like, his dog
1: on the football pitch. <laughs> And again, this, must, this, is, this is huge. This is detailed, really, really detailed. He's done it as, as sort of like a board game. Um, this must have taken him ages. Dave, how, how long would he spend doing something like this?
2: Would, I, I imagine he would just get lost in it, wouldn't he? That's it. He would start, he would, he would pick up the pens and he would start and it wasn't done until it was done. Mm. You know, he would not eat. I mean, Chris was a smoker. He liked to smoke. Yes. But if he was deep into doing something like
3: this, he would forget to smoke.
1: Wow, really? Yeah. He was that much into
3: it? <coughs> but even, you know, down to, the, like, reflecting the little... like the, All this is real world as well, this Templi yeah. map. I mean, all these shops are the shops that were there at the time. But, you know, even the Timply two... Aquatics, there we go, of course. Templi Aquatics, which Frank always called Templi Zoo. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it's just a fish shop. But, uh, t- but not to him, it becomes yeah. this fantastic, magical thing. But even the two post boxes outside the Templi post office are represented there, you know? And it, just that kind of thing that it's... He just took the mundane and the ordinary and he elevated it into the fantastic. What
1: did they think of him in Timperley?
3: Did they, did everyone get the joke? Did they, in inverted commas, did everyone enjoy it? Were people annoyed with him? Well, I remember asking Sterling, Chris's, Chris's eldest son, and um, he said, I think for a while people were a little bit surprised, but after a while it just became Frank Sidebottom and right. people just thought, Pff, leave him to it. Yeah, leave him to it. That's a great, that's a great way to summarise his career. Just leave him to it.
1: He's not hurting anyone.
0: <laughs> the radio show where the owls are not what they seem. Do you or have you ever watched
3: Twin Peaks?
0: The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee. They could be dreaming and meeting each other in their dreams. On Talk Radio. Always stranger than fiction.
1: Week Monday, I get shoes. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee. Because they're too real to be part
0: of my imagination. On Talk Radio.
1: We're just looking at sidey, which was the ill-fated... I know what is that, six-inch, seven-inch statue that he would make. I had one, it snapped, as apparently they all did. Chucked mine away at some point. I mean, that's ridiculous. But you're telling me this one is, is from, a, from a fan?
2: Yeah, uh, the fans have been great. Um, we put the word out that, that this was going to happen, and as, as brilliant as um, the archive is, um, it's been really great for people to bring things that they, they've won at, at concerts, and just one-off bits and bobs, really. Um, this
3: is a, from a local reporter is it? Steve. he's uh, he's a, a guy who was a, a press reporter in manchester for for decades mike barnett um who actually now is connected to home where the film is having its manchester premiere right. um and um he actually brought it into a meeting that i had with him just to talk about the film launching at home and he said oh here's my sidey and i said great see? can we borrow that please because we need one for the exhibition yeah. yeah of course you can um mike has actually ended up in the film uh, asking uh, frank about his uh, career highlights which which was paul mccartney uh, or it would have, yeah. He says Paul McCartney, and Frank says, "Well, that would have been if I'd met him." <laughs> look over here. Look, I can see it now. When. Because Frank kind of
1: disappeared for a bit, and we'll get back onto Chris in a bit, I promise. Frank kind of, as far as I'm aware, certainly disappeared from my life a bit, and I think he disappeared from public life a bit. And then when he
3: came back, he brought out these sort of homebrew CDs. Have I got that chronology right? Yeah, he started a little imprint label called Sidetrack, I think it was called, and um, started putting out um, some of his older material from the 80s so people, a newer generation, could discover what Frank had been doing all those years. What have we got in here? Tell us what all the stuff. Oh, look, uh, there we go. Look, what have we got here? We got a we got a mixture of we've got ink comics in here. Um, I'm looking immediately at a picture of Frank and Danny Minogue together, uh, which oh, wow. which is look. Pop Pop's greatest oh, um, ever meeting. Um, Danny is dressed up in a very sexy
1: black PVC low-cut dress. Frank is dressed up as Father Christmas, of course. I mean, what, what more would
0: you, yeah. would you expect?
3: Um, well, as you can see, this cabinet also shows he met quite a lot of celebs. <laughs> there he is with a Dalek.
1: Oh. What was it... Now, some people will... Well, maybe you can't explain this. Some people will struggle to understand his obsession with pop culture. Uh, and Chris was obsessed with pop culture as, as, as much as Frank, wasn't he? Do you mean the Beatles?
2: <laughs> yeah, pretty much.
1: Yeah. Chris was a huge Beatles fan, wasn't he? He was. Um, didn't he go... Now, this is one of the things I learned in the film. He went to Apple. He auditioned... He was part of that great
2: farce when... He the, didn't actually audition. Did what he, he What he did was he just... Put himself upon them. Him and Martin went down on the train to the Fire Apple's offices and said, "We're not going till somebody sees us with their acoustic guitars." And uh, and stayed there until somebody saw them. And they played the songs. And the guy went, "Actually, yeah, that's pretty good. We'll get you in."
1: Yeah. But nothing came of it, of course. No, not really. Yeah. I didn't know that I'm a, I, you know, I'm a huge Beatles fan of course that ridiculous farce where they said hey if, you, if, you, if you've got talent we're going to put you out on our record label and he went and he, he did it and he was the, the, the thing I get from Chris seeing the film oh look there's a remote control card from, from that really weird quiz show where the seats went back He's um, apart from maybe a period in his life when he
2: got a little bit shall we say sidetracked he was constantly pushing wasn't he well, constant? Even in that period, when you say sidetrack, you're talking about like the the, the early 2000s yeah, when he yeah. kind of he, he was still creating at home, right? Just not as frank, and he managed to find a job locally where he got to still be creative, working um, working at hot animation, yeah. You know, so he was still able to. That's like Pingu and stuff, yeah, wasn't yeah. It? yeah. All that stuff, you know. So I don't think there was ever Chris couldn't just. Have a day off. Put the slippers on, and
1: did he ever get pissed off with Frank, being that that was what he was? That is what he was the most famous for. But obviously, and the, the film highlights this beautifully. As does this
2: exhibition. There was so much more going on. Um, yeah, you know, without giving away <laughs> yeah, too many spoilers, just... but yeah, um, there's definitely an, an inner struggle going yeah. on. And actually a three-way inner struggle if you bring in the, the little Frank character as well, where he's like a step down of, of uh, turmoil. He's a step down of turmoil.
1: Here we go. Here's a, a lovely picture of Chris, home recording studio, playing the
3: guitar. Do we know what he's doing there? Just, yeah, just he's, constantly making. He's, he's making work. Presumably, in that photograph, as Chris Seavey, right. and that's what Dave was talking about. I think that during the down the down years where he wasn't doing Frank, he went back to doing Chris. He just wasn't releasing it. So, so there's like a 10 15 year period from the mid nineties onwards to 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 the end of his life, where he was making new Chris Seavey work, um, and it's all on this mixing desk, which, which you see at the end of the film as well. Um, And he just didn't release any of it. And I I think that was always the intention. Mm. Once he eventually retires Frank, Chris emerges and goes, I'm an artist and I do other things.
1: He told me, again, on the comeback, I'm using a slightly lazy phrase there, that he had a five-year plan. Is that right? Correct. And the five-year plan, as far as I remember it, I mean, I was just sat there. This is when I came up to be on his Channel M show and I was just sat there. Just thinking, I'm sat here with Chris Sevey, This is insane. So a lot of it, kind of, I, I didn't hear. But his five-year plan at, at various points involved him making a Frank Cybottom movie, right. but without him in it. He told me he wanted John well, was, Sim to
2: play. This is the you're talking about the Michael Fassbender. Well, that's thing. kind of, I guess, what it evolved into. Yeah, yeah. Was Chris, it? Chris was Chris was smart because he had plans that on the back of that, that he was going to do his own biography, right? Which was going to be the true story yeah, um, but not a documentary about, you know, with actors Yeah. so this is why when, when Chris died um, and Steve came we kind of knew each other we, we'd met at the, the funeral and obviously I was there when Steve made his uh, timpally, magical timplito uh, show um, so I knew that um, it was Chris's intention that, that the true story would, would come out so when, when Steve wanted to make the documentary I was like I've got to see that happen and at some point, if I got this right, he was he was going to have like a press conference or
3: something, and take the head off, and go, "This is," or you know, do some big reveal and say it's been me all along. There's many different versions from the people that knew him around those years about what the five year plan exactly was going to entail but the one thing that, I, I mean a lot of those people as well say, look he did tell me but I just wasn't listening because yeah. he said all kinds of stuff he and, did, you just could, and you just couldn't take it all in. Um, but the one thing that all of those people, those contemporaries and colleagues and loved ones agree on is that he said to all of them, I'm doing, I'm bringing Frank back for five years and then the head is coming off mm. and, and the, after that point, I'm Chris CV. Now whether that would have meant he never did Frank again, I don't know, because the mystery would have been broken. Yeah. So I've been told versions that he really wanted to carry on the Frank's World Stop Motion animation, which he'd been able to, he would have been able to do as Chris yeah. without having to actually wear the head and the nose peg or gaffery's face up every night or, or whatever. Um, but I but I genuinely think from researching his life that he as an artist he had things he wanted to express and say that he could only do that as himself and not filter it through Frank's world.
1: And the five-year plan was working. So I remember one of the points in there was to get a, to get his own TV show, which he did on Channel M. Yeah. And it, 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 are they all? I don't know if they're all on YouTube, but man alive, that show was nuts. It, it, it would get broadcast once in colour and once in black and white. He was insistent that they showed it in black and white
3: yeah Yeah, he even even wanted them I think for the second series he was a 3D one didn't he he he, he did 3D some of those shows it's got Andy Crane on an ironing board being pushed towards you in 3D um But, he, but, but from what i was told uh, he really wanted to do uh, i think the second series he wanted to paint the entire show in black and white Oh, um, like so film oh, in color but the but the set is Night. black and white yeah. frank's been painted black and white and the only thing that would be color would be the lips so the lips will be red so if you're watching it in color the lips are in red but it is a black and white show and if you're watching it in black and white it's all black and white i
2: mean the other the other thing i would say about that was oh, he said he wanted to film it in black and white and the, the executive said, well, you're not filming it in black and white. So he went away and wrote the theme tune th- th- that says this show is in black and white. So they, they had to... They had to go with it. Channel M was was great for him in as much as they they kind of let him do what he wants. The
1: the, the, the show, is I was thrilled and blessed to be on there. And you watch it. And I'm 35, but it's 15-year-old me that's just sat there just laughing as he's like bullying me a little bit. And he sits on a chair that's higher than mine and goes, oh, look, we're the same height now. And I'm in hysterics for the whole thing. But they also, I remember him phoning me up and telling me he was going to do it. And I skyplussed it. Uh, they let him do the test card.
2: He did overnight for like f- pretty much the whole. It was like four or five hours, wasn't it? He did it for. Well, to tell the truth, they they couldn't afford the security to do it overnight. But right. he did do he did do it in one sitting, the whole thing. Yeah, and it's him sat there with little
1: Frank, and for ten minutes nothing happens. It's him just going. E- and then after about... I don't, I don't remember. I'm in my head, I remember it as being 10 minutes. It just starts breaking
2: down as, as it always would with Frank. It does, and um, a lot of people think that the test card is, is up there as yep. some, some of his best work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because because he's perfect. He, he's the, he's a true situationist, yeah. and, and even with just a piece of cardboard, he's able to... You know, stuff happens. I, mean, I saw him do an exhibition... Uh, a gallery in chelsea
1: i think it was in london he had like a residency there and um and i went down there and saw it and it was i mean he was just it was you know there was maybe about 15 people there and he was just getting me to put pictures up for him and then he got the poster paints and put them outside and he you got in that? yeah and he got in terrible trouble for for putting paints on the i don't know if it was on the glass or if it was on the concrete outside <laughs> Yeah, uh,
2: that's. Do you want to, That's a long anecdote. But oh, it's, Do you want to hear it? Yeah, go on if you don't mind. So yeah, like you said, it was to do with. Um, it, it was part of the Chelsea Art Space thing, and earlier in the week, uh, a guy called Gustav Metzger. Metzger had been in, like an old geek guy on a on a Zimmer frame. You could spend a, a good hour in there. Yeah. Um, well, he was in there for like three or four hours, and on his way out, this guy was like. This guy's a genius, you know. Someone should give him loads of money to make art. And it turned out it was Gustav Metzger, who was famous for um, his, his big thing was auto-destructive art.
1: Oh, was that the, the reason that Pete Townsend was smashing? He his was. Stars? He was also. Guy, right? He was
2: also Pete Townsend's uh, art teacher. Um, so, uh, Donald Smith, the the guy who curated that, passed this information on to Chris that day. That we were that we were going to do this outdoor concert yeah. outside, so that seed was planted. So we got outside. We do the we do the, the thing. Happens. It's Chelsea Space is Ace. Um, it, it, well, it was called Chelsea Space is Ace. So we go outside, and um, he gets these poster paint uh, kids bottles of poster paint, and the, the drum machine is going with tss. tss, tss, tss. <laughs> And he's uh, he undoes the top, and he just pours an entire, like, litre and a half of kids' poster paint onto one of those lights. You know, them round um, lights that light up the front of the building. Like, whole whole tub. Goes to the next one, another blue, you know, next one, yellow. The guy wasn't... Uh, there was a big thing going on at the Tate Gallery, um like a big, I can't remember what it was called, but there was like 3,000 people over yeah. there. Bear in mind, Frank is supposed to go from here to go and do a, a, a short concert in front of the Turner. Yeah. Painting. Um, so there's a, a lovely lady who was in charge. It's a nice summer's day. She's got white trousers on. She comes out and she's like, starts freaking out. Uh, you're going to have to, this is not on. You're going to have to clean up or whatever. You've got paint all of your shoes, take them off. So he takes his shoes off and um and when she's not looking she slaps he he slaps her with these um these shoes on and puts these like paint all over the back of her trousers <laughs> and she bursts into tears oh, this god morning. and um yeah uh, it a did a darker it, well, turn than I was expecting. It, well,
3: uh, I think consequently, consequently as well, then he also put loads of paint all over the windows of the ch- right. of the Chelsea space. Well, no, he,
2: he started painting on the glass, which is not so bad because it comes off with water. It all ran down the window, yeah. and the, the the this big posh ledge was porous. Uh, some kind of slate or stone or whatever, stone, and the paint just like soaked in, and there's no way we could get it out. If you go there, if you go there on your way home, it's still there. It's still there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the consequences of doing that was, you know, he he, he absolutely burnt his bridges. Yeah. With, with those guys. Um, and what
3: did he say to you about whose fault it was? Does
2: um,
3: that? About. Well, yeah, it,
2: it was like I didn't do it. Frank did, Frank did it. it. You know? genius once the head came off yeah. and he was having a telling off he was just like <laughs>
1: brilliant go on let's have a look around here what we got here i'm thrilled to see you've got my oh look you can look as well there he is you've got amoeba frank who is the size of an amoeba how did you find that
3: we, it took, it was it's, tough it, That's why the film's taken seven years. Most of that time was just looking for amoeba Frank. Uh, we thought we found it many times, but it was just a piece <laughs> of fluff.
1: The film did take you a long time, Steve. What was going on? <laughs>
3: what was um, going on? There has been a lot of cardboard. There's been a lot of gaffer tape, and there has uh, been a lot of colouring in. Um, but no, it's you know the film is a look through one man's entire life, and yes. uh, the two, narr- two, well, two men's entire lives. One man, one man's entire two lives, um, and and you know there's a narrative about Chris that he died tragically young at 54, and he did. But the amount of work you packed into those 54 years, I, it, no, I'll never really be able to get across to people just how the volume of information that's had to go through to make that What film.
1: is great as well, all, all crowdfunded, pretty much crowdfunded?
3: And it was crowdfunded for the first few years, yeah. and, and then I just had to go to the film industry, right, and and because they, they'd they'd need, it just, It became a bigger and bigger story. But what is interesting about your film, and about
1: the statue, and about the funeral, is, I mean, he was going to have a pauper's funeral, and then someone, John Ronson, someone tweeted, can we raise a couple of grand to help? Suddenly there was enough for the funeral, then there was enough for the statue, then people wanted to contribute to this. I guess what I'm trying to say is it, it, the, the affection that people
3: have for Frank and indirectly Chris is phenomenal, isn't it? the the love is endless but the love I think is a direct reflection of how much love he gave out to everybody else you know he puts even if somebody ordered some badges as someone says in the film he'd send them a handwritten letter you know he spent way more time on that than he's earned from the badges so he just gave and gave and gave and gave to anyone who was interested in what he did he he loved them for it and and then they're just returning that love
1: he was so kind to me, you know, he was, uh, I only met him a, f- a few times and he would phone me up and, and hassle me on the phone sometimes. Look at that with the telescope with the giant eye. There he is, his Morrissey. <laughs> um, but it, c- both Chris and Frank, Chris more so actually, were so, were so kind and so generous to me. What is that? That's Chris TV. No, it's not, is it? Is that him being Salvador Dali or something? You tell us. Oh, God, look at that. It's, it's a, a strange black and white picture, it looks... It looks like it's from the 50s, obviously it's not, with the with man with half a moustache holding a sh- plastic shark and a tin of uh, lentil soup and um, a fat tie. There you go. What else have we got? I, I've got to say, because I'm only in Manchester for two hours, and then I've got,
3: to, I've got to get the train back, so we need to rattle through the rest of this. There's the famous ZX Spectrum. Yeah, this is a whole cabinet of his computer games, and um, you know, the, 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 there's so much work he did. Even when you see the film, and the film is so densely packed with with, with Chris's life and work, but um, we were only able to cover in the film one computer game. He must yeah. have done five or six. Uh, we've discovered like prototypes for games that he was writing and never finished. Somebody even asked me the other day, "Have you heard of a game called The Biz?" They said, um, which was um, well, the which Biz is a famous one. Yeah, yeah, which was which was Chris's. Uh, you get you be a pop star game where you start a band, give it a name, um, record records, try and get into the charts and whatever. What people don't realise is is that we had some we had a computer programmer look at the code for the biz. Yeah. It's impossible to get to number one in the charts, <laughs> which is Chris's autobiographical statement of yeah. I can't get to number one. Why should you? What was the great was it Amoeba
1: Rescue with the game where you had a blank screen and everyone had to point to the screen where you thought the amoeba was going to appear, then you'd hit the space bar and whoever was closest to the dot won. Yeah, one pixel lights up <laughs> and unless you're pressing that pixel you have a won yeah. uh, Billy and Barry Belly I never got the record of course thanks a lot for that um, packet of fags what have we got are these,
3: are these... these are, this, is a, this cabinet's a combination of wind up letters court summonses and final demands
1: oh my god look um, what is this plea notice is it your intention to plead guilty or not
3: guilty to the charge what is that for one of his misdemeanours. Um, there's, a, there's a court summons there from uh, a court in uh, Staffordshire demanding that the freshies uh, appear in court for splashing water about in the toilets of a motorway <laughs> service <laughs> station. <laughs> oh, they've got to pay £7. This is incredible. This is incredible. Look. £7 pounds in
1: 1981. There's, um, there's job seekers, is back to work. Job goal, artist, performer, contact, what, what I'm going to do, contact TV, this is, I mean, this is, this is heartbreaking, actually, when we met today, we agreed the following steps, job goal, As artist, performer, contact TV and radio stations about possible work, look for vacancies and stage managers, contact the family channel about possible work, ask own, contacts on a regular basis for jobs 96, that's 1996
3: Yeah, I mean the fact that a man with that much ability had, had to sign on That's grim As an artist, can you imagine what the, uh, the reaction in the job centre was if you said, I'm an artist
1: Yeah, well I, I mean I used to go into a job centre and i say I was an actor and they say right, yeah, sure sign that So going in, I mean that's uh, 1996 as well, that's heartbreaking Heartbreaking These pods,
3: what have we got? We've got pods So we've got three listening booths here um... That uh, we were talking before about how much Larissa has been able to get us through uh, red tape. Well, we were originally told we've got three listening booths, You can put three minutes on. Uh, it's got to be the same three minutes in every seat. She's managed to break the rules. We've now got an hour yes. of different content on every seat. So, so these are rare radio temporaries.
0: Oh, you know it
3: yes, really is. just been bootlegging. Yes,
0: flex bottom here with the tickly top tech.
1: Oh, well done, Larissa. Yes, breaking the rules which is what it's all about. You know, it's, it's about... By the way, this looks absolutely stunning. You've done such an amazing job with this. It looks incredible.
3: We've got two, we've got two cabinets here of football-related stuff. Obviously, football was a massive part of Frank Sidebottom and Chris's life. You know, it, it has everything from... Chris was a huge Man City fan. There's his deflated Manchester City banana. Um, if you come round here and just have a look through that magnifying glass... What?
1: What oh, look. There's some Subutio men and there's a Frank Sidebottom Subutio man. God, that's incredible. Look how small that is. I mean it looks does look a bit like Betty Boop as well, it's gotta be said, but that is uh the attention to detail. That's what it's all about I, with
3: Chris is the attention to detail. Don't start a lawsuit with the Fleischer estate, please. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's one of his um, larger-scale Sabutio figures. Uh, when Frank used to play his fans at Sabutio, he would always bring out his massive Sabutio figures that's so he could skeletal, cheat. That's a isn't it? Yeah, that's a skeleton. There was a giant Dalek on a Sabutio base <laughs> and a couple of Palomino horses, I think, that he used to have in goal. Yeah. Right, listen, let's have a look at these,
1: these video booths, yeah. um, which you've got set up. Ah, Steve, this is... Um I'm sorry it's such a rush visit, this is really emotional, this is lovely. Look at this!
3: So we've got a couple of booths. We've got nice air headphones, what have we got here? So they've let us use these, these uh, we've got three video pods, uh, like video techs, so they're individual booths, people can come and sit in and they said give us a few Frank Sidebottom videos um so we've put <laughs> put about 28 hours oh, nice. of the rarest material that we discovered in his archive there are whole Frank Sidebottom gigs in here there's a whole Freshies gig there's one of the Freshies Rasvis videotapes there's the original Being Frank videotape there's the original Denigration Now videotape there's stuff that that people have never seen the things that are in the film for like Three or four seconds, or just second. you get the whole gig.
1: Right, listen, let's talk about the film. The film's coming out the 29th of March,
3: yeah. 29th of March, it comes out and it's a, getting a general r- release, yeah. It's come so cinema uh, on the 29th of March, it's also coming out on digital on the 29th okay. of March, so iTunes and Amazon and those kind of places. Um, and um. I think I'm hopeful that about a month later the DVD and Blu-ray come out I
1: would recommend if you see it at a, at a local cinema go on, I've seen it on a big screen and it, it it just looks seeing Frank on a big screen is a joy anyway but it, it it just looks amazing so I'd recommend that but the DVD you said is just packed full of stuff we've absolutely
3: bonus cr- stuff. we've crammed it whatever whatever we can fit on the disc it's just it's, it's exactly as Chris would have done fill it um, because there is so much stuff you have to just yeah. put, give people as much as possible um but, yeah, the, I, my hope is that people go and see it at the cinema because not only are you seeing it um, on, on a big screen and you're seeing all the tiny detail that he did, yeah. really, so you can really see it, but also you're seeing it with an audience. And when you see a film with an audience, the, the funny bits are funnier and the sadder bits are sadder. So
1: here in an When I saw it, you very kindly invited me to a screening at the BFI, and when I saw it here in a whole cinema laughing at Frank or, so, you know, Chris... That was that was really special. That was really special.
3: Yeah, and I think it's an act that he always wanted people to see with an audience. It was about a communal experience, you know, which is how the film has been made as well, you yeah. know, with a whole community of fans backing it. So I think it's just about carrying that on. There's a soundtrack album as well coming out, picture disc and C D there is. I don't know which label is putting that out <laughs> or who's or who runs that label, some maniac. Some um idiots, some, do, somebody it? who just looked at Frank Sidebottom and just went catching okay. this is good, this is going to make me a fortune now now he's gone we'll make loads of money off his back that'll do yeah it. Uh, that person's got a rude awakening coming <laughs> when the bills start coming in but no it's we've in all seriousness there is a beautiful Picture disc vinyl album. We've been allowed to make there's a CD of it as well. We've made sure the CD is slightly different than the record, so, so there's like a, a, a different track listing. Um, it, it, and it's what what I love about the album is uh, it's it's I'd say slightly more of a Chris Evey album than yes. it is a Frank yeah. Sidebottom album. But this is the first time people have been able to hear most of those Chris Evey songs. They've been lost on audio cassettes, unlabeled audio cassettes yeah. in a cellar um, in in the northwest, and now we're making them available. Right, listen, it's quarter past
1: two, my train is in half an hour, I hate to dash Larissa, but I have to leave, thank you for opening the library for us, thank you Dave, thank you Steve, best of luck with the film, do you know what, I, I really just, I'm getting the vibe that this is going to, your, your hard work is going to pay off, so well done, and well done Chris and Frank, and this has been really emotional actually, coming and seeing all of this, you know, its um, I always get a little bit choked up when I see um, Frank like this, so thank you very much for inviting me guys, I appreciate it. Oh,
0: space! let Oh, oh lad, no, space. what do you want now? Hey, I was wondering, could I come to space with you, Frank, please? No, you can't come! Why not? Because you, you just would not appreciate it. it. I want you know, because everything in space yes. is absolutely fantastic. I don't believe it, you know. And if you don't believe me, I'll show you my that's when I get back oh. up! Experience the unconventional, the unpredictable, and the completely unorthodox with rule-free Ian Lee. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee.
2: I've got no internet for the last four days.
0: On Talk Radio.